Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I am your host, Miles Dawson. It is fantastic to have you here. Uh, we're just going to try and shake things up a little bit in 2020, go in a few different directions for you, our wonderful listeners. So to that end, may I please introduce our guest for the podcast, Chris Weston. Hello, Chris. Hi, Miles. Um, I wonder if you could give a quick introduction to yourself for our listeners, please. Sure. So uh, I'm part of the CIO advisory team at uh, IDC. So we use the all of that analysis and end user research that we, that we generate to help our customers who tend to be CIOs or execs uh, making strategic decisions about technology, just to help them make that better decision really, make the right decision first time rather than having to uh, reconsider or, or go back on technology investments because that's very important these days. I mean, you can't really afford to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. A tech decision that uh, you have to reverse can cost you a lot more than it did maybe five or six years ago. Mm. And certainly if you end up with uh, issues around uh, you lose data or you end up with a kind of a um, an issue like the one we've seen recently with TravelX, you can find that you have you know m- much bigger problems than you expected. So getting that decision right first time is really important. That's what we do. Excellent. So, I mean, just to clarify for our listeners, so historically on the podcast, we have had analysts from IDC's technology group. So that's kind of analysts that look at things like cloud, about security. They're specific analysts who have specific research interests. Now, Chris, you're a little bit different. You're more of a generalist. You kind of look across the board. And rather than working with our vendor clients, you tend to work with our end user clients. Is that right? That's absolutely right. You know, we as advisors, our job is to have a lot of knowledge about a lot of subjects. Mm-hmm. But only to a certain extent, because we've got the analysts who know the in-depth stuff that we can draw on and we can bring to the party. But we really need to be able to understand how all of this technology affects our customers. We need to know how IoT affects our customers, how blockchain might affect our customers, about how AI and VR and AR will affect our customers. We need to know all of these things and be able to then bring the right people with an in-depth knowledge. Okay, so as most of you know, uh, we publish at IDC, we publish our Futurescape predictions every December uh, to help guide our clients and prepare them for the technology changes for the coming years and to review how we did last year as well. So we do have a few of those that are specifically focused on the CIO. So I'd love to hear a little bit about those ones. Okay, so yes, we have a a number of predictions at uh, IDC, clearly, because we're a predictions business in many ways. We look into the future of work. We have a number of practices focused on how the future of tech is going to look for different industries. And in order to make best use of those, we need to be able to see how that affects our customers. So for a CIO, I want to know how those predictions will affect them because they're going to have to deal with this stuff. So if you are able to be for warned and forearmed, it means that you can be ready for those changes should they happen. I mean, predictions, nobody ever gets them 100% right, okay? But if you just ignore them and pretend nothing will change, chances are you're going to come a cropper. So we are we are there really to, to, to look into our customers' organizations, to look at their roles and say, how will these changes affect you? So that sounds great. Could you give us an example of one that's come out this year? A really good example, it's very fundamental to CIOs and the organizations they work in, is how they, the profile of their spend is going to change. So we believe that by 2023, over half, 51% of all tech spend will be digital transformation effort. Now, that's happening for many reasons, partly because it's kind of natural, that because the kind of work that we do now, everything that we change in our organization is digital. 
And so therefore, if you change something, if you introduce something, it's going to be transformation spend. It's also because the state that we've got will slowly reduce. So more of our effort will be spent on this, this transformation effort. So that has a direct impact on CIOs because three or four years ago, even as recently as that, a lot of CIOs would be concentrating on run and maintain systems. Yeah. Now they can't help but be brought into the conversation about how the business runs and how the business grows and how the business maintains and attracts its customers. So that will be a real interesting tipping point. But seriously, that, that, that's significant because to that tipping point of more than 50% being spent on digital uh, transformational initiatives, um, how do you think that's going to manifest itself? So the... Um, for example, there's a, the, another prediction we have is about uh, by 2025, 60% of organizations will modernize their core IT using cloud services, resulting in 25% productivity improvement. Now, 25% is, is an interesting number, and as much as for some organizations, it'll be 50% or even you know, in, into much bigger numbers than that. And for some organizations, it'll be less. But the impact of the, the hyperscalers like Amazon and Microsoft means that cloud services and the, the use of cloud services is inescapable. It just doesn't make financial sense not to use them. There's lots of reasons to have a mixture of your own kit and your own tin and your, and your own maybe private cloud or your own um, uh, systems as well. But the trend is pretty much inescapable. You, you've, you've got to be using it. So... As the cloud industry consolidates and how, as these services become more and more ubiquitous, it makes absolute sense that, that organizations will be using those services and the productivity improvements that we have seen already bear out in our numbers. So again, as a CIO, if you don't understand that and if you don't work to that um, outcome, if you don't have a cloud strategy, for example, then you're setting yourself up for a fall. It's interesting you say that because a big part of the focus that I've been looking at recently with my clients is um, hybridization of cloud and multi-cloud yep. models. Um, but what about the kit and the software that's going to go on the cloud? Is it mainly stuff they're buying from vendors or are they developing it themselves? I think a mixture, but there's going to be a big increase in what they develop themselves in, in, our, in our prediction. So we say that 60% um, of enterprises will be prolific software producers by 2025. So are these companies who are new to software development, are these companies who are already developing software who are just increasing it, or the ones who have never touched it before who are starting? I think the reality of the, of the technology landscape as we see it now and of the business landscape is that organizations are opening their data up more. They are producing APIs. They, are, they, are, they want to be connected. And in fact, if they're not connected, if they're not integrated with their supply chain and their customers, they will not be able to compete with those that are. They will not be able to transact in an efficient way. So it will be essential, really, for organizations to deploy and build their own, own code uh, because it's only your own code. It's only the things that you create which are unique to your data which really fits. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there'll be plenty of cool vendor tools and there'll be plenty of software sold, but we see that by 2025, 60% of enterprises will be prolific software producers with code deployed daily. Well, at the moment, according to our research, 10% of organizations have that kind of software delivery cadence. If we can um, bring it to that point where 60% of organizations are delivering daily code, that means that people are getting new features every day. It means that they're 
their supply again the supply chains their customers they're getting what they want as, as quickly as you can uh, as they can demand it and what that means is that they can then react and deliver their services more effectively so that's a really big change yeah i mean it's 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 the immediacy that i think is driving that right absolutely because starting a business is as easy as it's ever been in terms of you can create a business you can create a website you can go and buy software you can go and buy infrastructure if you want the capacity to build something in a digital sense it is essentially really straightforward okay so that means that people with the knowledge and people with the contacts and people with the data can come to market very quickly and because they can do that if you can react to that if you can use these new providers or they can exploit your connectivity it can exploit your platform then you get the benefit of it and that's going to be the reality from now on this is the new digital economy absolutely do you have any examples of um, these organizations that are increasing the amount that they're developing and the code that they're deploying every day yeah so i was talking to an organization um just last week um when we were in um we were doing the idc directions event in the nordics Mm -hmm. and i was talking to a manufacturing company and they are doing this uh, they've increased their code drops they're not doing them daily but they were doing them every six months and now they're doing them every month and they're going to push to doing them every week because being a manufacturer, their supply chain is necessarily a massive part of their cost and they've got suppliers and logistics companies who want to understand more. They want to be able to make better predictions about when um, raw materials will be needed, about when they can be accepted and they can do that better when they can access the information more effectively. So when somebody needs a new feature in order to be able to make that happen, if you say, I'm going to give you that new feature to be able to improve that delivery in six months' time, okay, that's one way of doing it. But if you can say, that's no problem, it'll be next month, that's great. If it can be tomorrow, even better. So that's fascinating. And I think all this development we're seeing really changes the way that we, we store and handle and process data. So how is that going to work ethically moving forward? So... Let's talk about another prediction. By 2024, we say that 50% of European public companies will report annually on the ethical use of data, automation, and AI in our organization. And we can see the beginnings of this right now. We can see the, the pressure to use data, use artificial intelligence, we, facial recognition, for example. Mm, that's a new one that's just come out in the news recently. Just this week, we've, t- yeah. we've seen a, a new deployment or at least an intention by the Met Police to use uh, facial recognition. And that always produces an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. So as organizations become more aware of the risks of using AI to make decisions that aren't necessarily auditable because of the nature of machine learning, the nature of neural networks means you can't always audit a decision and understand how, why it was made. Yeah. As you start to understand how you use information, how you profile people, the push for transparency is going to become ever more um, strident, really. And, and organizations such as the EU, who have been at the forefront of producing regulation like GDPR, are more and more likely to be requiring people to report on how they use data and how they use certainly people's personal data definitely do you think that's going to be driven by regulation though or do you think there's actually going to be a kind of competitive edge to that like people want to be more transparent because it's more attractive to clients i think transparency is always a good thing and i think people will demand more transparency having said that 
there is a difference between the effect of public demand and regulation in as much as, for example, if we didn't regulate for energy saving devices, for example, if we didn't regulate for energy saving light bulbs, etc, etc, we would still be using the old technology. People will use the people will do the easiest thing in many ways. So regulation is necessary in order to change habits. And I think people will, re- will realize that that's required. To sum up this whole conversation, then, I suppose the last question to ask is what about the role of the CIO itself? I mean, how is that going to be changing? So we do think that there will be more requirement to have people on the boards of organizations who understand technology. So we think that by 2022, so really uh, very soon, the top a quarter of the top 500 European companies will have to, at least two board members with what we call digital excellence experience. And if you think about it, tech is too, is too important now to be left to the CIO. It's too important to be left to one team. It's almost as if you might have a board that have a number of people around the table and only one of which understands a balance sheet, being the FD or the CFO. That seems ridiculous. It's, people would be embarrassed if, people, if around the board table if, it, if, if they were accused that they didn't understand a balance sheet or a profit and loss. They would, they would be extremely offended if you told them they didn't understand that. But it's the CFO's job to make sure that all happens. Around the board table, it's becoming increasingly unlikely that people will accept the charge that they don't understand technology or they don't understand how they, their business can be affected by it or they don't understand how they can exploit it. So boards will push to have more people who can challenge their CIO in the same way they all challenge a CFO, by the way, when they come out with their numbers. So this is going to happen. This is, a, this is an inevitable trend. And if it doesn't happen in an organization, then perhaps it won't be one of the top 500 organizations in future because they just don't have the capability to be so. All right. Well, thank you very much, Chris. And thank you all for listening. I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. Uh, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your comments and thoughts. You can check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and on Twitter. We're under IDC Mir, as always. Get involved with the discussion. Let us know any comments. We'd love to hear them. And uh, do subscribe to the podcast as well. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. Or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. We'd love to have you along. Uh, thank you all very much. And uh, we'll speak to you next time. Thank you, Miles. Looking forward to it. Cheers.